Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody joining us online. Welcome to January. When I was a young boy, growing up in a very small town in northwest Iowa, we would spend hours at a playground, which was in the neighborhood just right across the street from our neighbors, and out of sight of mom. We'd soar on swings that had super long chains. I swear we could touch the clouds when we really started pumping. We'd pile up mountains of fall leaves to cushion us when we sailed off those swings at the very top. The merry-go-round, like everything else in the park, was made of hard metal. And if you fell off from the G-force with one of the, when one of the older kids was spinning, you hit bare dirt and maybe got stomped on by the spinner who couldn't stop in time to avoid the kid who bit the dust. The slide, as I remember it, was at least three stories tall. The stairs went practically straight up. You could see Minnesota from the top. And at the peak was this tiny little platform surrounded by a very thin railing that you could drop an elephant through. The platform was just big enough for an unsupervised tiny child to sit on as they bravely faced the gray metal of the very long, steep slope that would send them speeding down to the gravel below. And when the slide had been freshly waxed, when somebody snuck some wax paper over from home, you knew you were in for one wild ride, which was especially good in summer when you didn't want to linger on that toasty exposed metal. We had a lot of fun at that park. As we grew older, our bikes took us from one corner of town to the other and even beyond, catching crawdads at Stinky Creek, shooting BB guns in the dump, hiding in the ditch next to the railroad tracks, waiting for the train to thunder past. Our parents rarely knew where we were, what we were doing, or when we were coming home, but we knew when supper was. We trapped gophers, collected worms after storms, swiped tomatoes from gardens and pelted each other silly with them. We played kick the can, hide and seek that stretched across the entire block, bottle rocket wars, football with our dads on Sunday afternoons, basketball in the summer rain, all day at the swimming pool. Winter didn't slow us down. We built snow forts, got pulled behind the snowmobile, on a saucer sled and whiplashed into snowbanks. We'd drink from the garden hose, eat raw potatoes, never wash our hands, not wear sunscreen, and walk into our neighbor's houses without knocking and be welcomed like we belong there. I don't remember being afraid much. Sure, there were those times when we moved past wild at heart to just plain stupid in the head and suffered the consequences, but, but fear wasn't a big part of the equation. And it didn't seem to enter our family's life either. We weren't told to fear things. I grew up without cell phones, warning labels on ladders, seat belts, outlet covers, and safety caps on medicine bottles. We walked to school alone didn't lock up our bikes, our houses, or our cars. And we played with lots of sharp metal toys. <laughs> How in the world am I still here? 
Why weren't my parents terrified every moment that I was out of sight? You know, I asked mom this the other day. And she said, we just weren't. Fear wasn't a big influence on my, on my life or my family's life. It's a little different today, isn't it? We think very carefully about letting our kids go. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. Because it's not small town, town Iowa in the 60s anymore. And one of the biggest changes that I've noticed is the layer of fear that seems to cover so much of us. We live in a fear-drenched society. We're raising children, we're building families, we're grandparenting in a time when there's so much fear. So many things that we're told to be afraid of. The world is shouting out to us, be afraid, be very afraid. Today, the big fears that are dominating society are COVID, fear of the loss of law and order, fear of cultural change, fear of global warming, fear of saying and believing things that aren't socially acceptable, and fear of loneliness. And dominating is a pretty good word because it means something has a commanding influence on us or exercise control over us. I don't know of another moment in my lifetime when fear has had such a powerful influence on us. We're dominated by our fears. We live in a fear-drenched society. And it's not just a grown-up problem. This fear is not restricted to adults who should be able to process it better, but also to children who aren't able to process it. But they do feel it. They feel the fear that is dominating the lives of the adults that are important to them. So what is fear? And why do we feel scared? It's a part of being human. It's a feeling that isn't necessarily wrong. God created us with a natural fight or flight reaction that's important in certain situations, usually when our safety is threatened. And this is one of the things that we want to be clear about in this series, about how to handle emotions in our lives and in our families. Feelings, like fear, aren't wrong. They aren't a weakness. It's part of how God created us. But we must recognize what it is that we're feeling and try to figure out why. So, is it okay to be afraid of spiders, snakes, <laughs> heights, the dark, speaking in public, failure, being alone, my marriage falling apart, being bullied, infertility, sickness, death? Should fear ever be our guide? It doesn't seem like we're meant to live in a steady state of fight or flight. Fear is a powerful force. 
Its impact can pierce the deepest parts of us, quickly throwing things out of whack. Our sense of safety, security, and ability to be calm. Truth is, we can't escape the reality of fear in our world today. The past couple of years have been infused with panic in all sorts of ways. From the ongoing uncertainty of the global pandemic, the division of racial injustice, the political polarization of our country, and the impact of unexpected personal losses. Yet during such highly anxious times, God's word seems to prevent, uh, present us with an invitation to not be afraid. When we look through the Bible, this invitation is always in response to situations where fear is present. Yet somewhere along the way, we've wrongly interpreted this message to mean that we should never experience the feeling of fear. And if we do, well, then we lack faith. And so the idea of being a strong, mature Christian has gotten all knotted up with the unbiblical notion that to feel afraid means I lack faith. I read recently that to deny the presence of fear is not spiritual maturity. It's simply lying to yourself. I believe that the Bible invites us to acknowledge the reality of fear, but at the same time, to not allow it to discourage us from our faith. One of my favorite definitions of courage describes it as the ability to persevere through all emotions. Courage is the ability to persevere through all emotions. I like that because it doesn't dismiss or neglect how we're feeling, but instead empowers us to face it in a way that doesn't allow, us, allow it to dominate us. It gives us freedom to choose how to respond. So having courage that is fueled by faith isn't the absence of fear. Instead, it's the ability to name it and not be controlled by it. And if we're going to live that way in our lives and in our families, then we must take time to face our fears, redirect our focus, and rest on the foundations of our faith. So let's think about this first one, facing our fears. What frightens you? That's an important question. Because whatever we fear, we're also bound to worship. And what in the world does that mean? Well, if we feel fear failure, we worship success. If we fear uncertainty, we worship control. If we fear isolation, we worship intimacy. If we fear pain, we worship comfort. So facing our fears requires us to be honest about what is really important to us what we might worship or value. First Peter chapter 5, 
gives us something to hang on to when we're faced with fear. This is what Peter writes. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. These words are helpful when we experience fear. Paul instructs his readers to humble themselves. Humble themselves under the Lord. The biblical definition for the word humble is to dismiss self-reliance and become fully dependent on God. We're tempted to rely on our own strength when faced with fear. But that just increases our discouragement and it prolongs our worry over what we can't change. I remember when our son Elliot and his best buddy Stephen, seven or eight years old, decided to camp out for the first time overnight in our backyard. The tent was set up only a few steps away from the deck. It was a warm, calm summer night. Yeah, imagine that. And I can still see the glow of the flashlights on the inside of the tent. That's because Deb and I were sitting right there on the edge of the deck watching carefully. And we could hear them talking. And we knew where their conversation was going. Elliot kept saying, come on, Stephen, we need to face our fears. The dark night was starting to overwhelm them. And their fears were beginning to dominate them. And sure enough, a few moments later, they retreated to the safety and protection of their parents' homes. When we acknowledge that we have limitations, it helps us to recognize that we need the safety and protection of God in our lives. And when we do that, we're more open to casting all our anxiety on God because we believe that he loves us and he cares for us. And Paul also, or Peter also reminds us that we have an enemy that's working to deceive and distract us from God's truth. Satan is constantly trying to undermine our faith, twisting and distorting the reality of God's strength and goodness, nudging us towards doubt, trying to rob us of hope, disrupting the peace that God's presence and promises gives us. But as we resist, as we press into our faith in God's truth, we can be comforted by the fact that God is there. He's with us. He's for us. So we also, secondly, we need to redirect our focus. So what's your focus? And, and that's an important question too, because our focus feeds our feelings. In Matthew 14, Peter confidently stepped out of the boat onto the waves to meet Jesus walking on the water. But when his focus shifted to the deep ocean beneath him, his feelings followed 
and he began to sink. And that happens to all of us. When we focus on the things that perpetuate fear, our feelings quickly follow and we begin to sink. Because of this, Paul reminds us to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. In moments when things are downright scary, we need to focus on what our faith in God tells us. Hebrews 12 gives us some help with this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you turn back one chapter, you read about the mighty men and women of faith. And their stories aren't absent from fearful experiences, but their focus was clear and fixed on a God that they believed in and that they trusted. The author of Hebrews encourages that same attitude as we lay aside weights and worries and doubt by fixing our focus on the perfecter of our faith. Redirecting our focus in fearful times begins with looking to Jesus day after day, moment by moment. Jesus reminded us of this, the realities of this world in John 16 when he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. Parents, remember this. Both for yourselves and for your kids. Jesus doesn't dismiss fear as a very real emotion. Instead, he acknowledges it. And he offers peace in the midst of it. It's with Jesus that courage grows. That isn't shaken by the troubles of this world. So parents, focus on this. Christ is with us. He is for us. He is in us. He goes before us every day. What a powerful powerful thing to model for your children, for your grandchildren, and how you respond to your own fears as well as how you help them redirect their own focus as they grow up. And finally, we also need to rest on the foundation of our faith. Ask yourself, am I resting in my faith or my feelings? Hebrews tells us that faith is confidence in what we hope for 
and assurance about what we do not see. The foundation of faith is when we transfer trust from our own strength to God's strength. When we face our fears and fix our focus on God's goodness and strength, then we learn to rest in his faithfulness. And faith isn't just a phony fearlessness. It's doing the hard work of of surrendering to God in spite of how we feel. It's resting in God's strength rather than our own. In the Old Testament, when God called his people to trust him when they fled from the Egyptian army, it says that the people were terrified. They began to doubt God's protection when they found themselves with their backs up against the Red Sea. And this is what God said to them. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. God never calls us to stand firm in the face of fear without his goodness and power going before us. We build our faith on that foundation, trusting that God goes before us and that he fights for us. We place our hope in God and we don't lose heart because we believe in God's promises. Paul writes this to the Corinthians. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we may be wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Last summer, Deb and I were quietly floating, floating down the Cedar River. I don't know why I'm thinking about stories that have to do with summer right now, but <laughs> last summer, Deb and I were quietly floating down the Cedar River in our old pontoon with our daughter Annie, her husband Jared, and our one-year-old granddaughter, Isla. Beautiful day. We were approaching a bend in the river, and it was time to start the outboard to move away from the bank. I turned the key. Nothing. Not even a click. Tried it a few more times, ran back to the battery, checked the connections, decided I needed a new battery. Uh, But more importantly, we needed to figure out how to avoid the trees along the bank that were quickly approaching. We weren't successful, and we crunched into those branches and limbs. Now, it wasn't until much, much later, after we had been rescued and towed back to our dock, that I remembered a very important piece of equipment that I had on the boat, but never thought to use. And if I'd remembered, I would have avoided being swept into those trees. 
Now, do you know what that piece of equipment was? What? Paddles? No. What tried that? They're very tiny in boats. That didn't, we, we were furiously paddling. That didn't work. An anchor. I heard somebody say that. The anchor. I had two of them. And if I had tossed them both out, it would have stopped our progress just like that and saved us from a very scary moment. Now listen to this. Hebrews 6 says this. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. When the powerful emotion of fear threatens to sweep us away, we have something to grab onto. We have an anchor for our frightened souls that is firm and secure. And that anchor, that hope, is that God is present, that God is good, and that God cares for us. That's the foundation of our faith. These are uncertain and discouraging times. We live in a fear-drenched society, and it's okay to feel afraid. But please, face it. Humbly admit that you're scared. Try to understand why. Redirect your focus to God's promises and his presence and rest on the strong foundation of your faith. Grab hold of the anchor of God's strength that gives us hope and peace. Don't be afraid. Instead, let's be people, let's be families of faith together. The band's going to come out and get ready to lead us in a couple more songs. Um, and while they do that, I want to close by reading Psalm 23. And as I do, I invite you to listen to these familiar words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.